How do you make it louder? Um, you get closer to the microphone. How do you make it louder? Uh, I don't know. It's How's dynamic this microphones. For sound? That's sound, all right. Got in trouble. We We got a cease and desist from an amusement park. I was at work. I was like, "Am I gonna lose my job?" (laughs) Yep. And then you lost your job. And here I am, unemployed. Mm Mm-hmm. So sorry to all the fans out there if you guys were confused as to the train. That's our bad. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I hope you didn't go to the Grand Canyon Hoping to try to and see. find the train. Yeah. But instead no, she found was very me. Nice. Yeah, she was very nice. Yeah, she was very polite. Um, I just think it's funny that we got a cease and desist from an amusement park. First one. Yeah. I don't think it'll uh, be what, our last ten episodes in. No, park. I doubt it. Um, On a side note, I did just add amusement parks to our episode list. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. I do. Oh, like it's already that a lot. it's already there. <laughs> oh, well, delete the can't thing. even say some good came out of that. Uh, <laughs> we already <laughs> passed us was so smart, but I did uh, retweet. I did t- tweet again. Okay, just before. Yeah, I put this. I put a railroad crossing sign know, in this time. That was real classy. Yeah. So, no trains were harmed in the making of this <laughs> Photoshop. <laughs> We have a lot of things to celebrate on this episode, I think. One. What? We, Why? Because, okay, we have a lot of things to celebrate. Because, mm-hmm. one, our first cease and desist. Mm-hmm. Baby's first cease and desist. Baby's first cease and desist. <laughs> they grow up so fast. Mm-hmm. Second, this is our 10th episode. Mm-hmm. Third, everyone has been waiting. And now by popular demand. Yes. Yes. It is Ography Month. Finally. Finally. We've made it here. Finally, it's Ography Month. The verdant valley that is Ography Month. Yeah. You can turn off your alarms that have been ringing since May 1st. It's it's finally here. Let's raise a glass. All right. Cheers to Ography Month. Raise a glass of sexy water. Mm Mm-hmm. Cheers to Ography Month. That's what I'm drinking today. I'm drinking some lemon uh unsweetened water beverage that's what it's called isn't everything just a water beverage any mm-hmm. beverage is a water beverage mm-hmm. so, so this is me cute a show where we talk about all the places that art and science intersect and sometimes get in trouble with the law <laughs> i'm lauren this is my first time getting in trouble with the law um, I'm scared. Yeah, I'm Lee. Uh, <laughs> just leave it at that. Uh, so today we're talking about stenography slash shorthand slash writing symbols really fast. Mm-hmm. Isn't that all writing, though? 
I write really slow. Oh, okay. Um, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Can I go second? Those are your options. You can absolutely go second. Um, I want to go third. Uh, we can see. I'll see what I can do. Um, so We'll get Jules Verne back on the show. He can go second. Yeah, he can. Um, so stenography. Let me get closer to my microphone here. Hold on. Just scooch my chair up so that I can sit like an idiot with my feet up here. There we go. Same. All right. We're ready to go now. I pulled now. this chair closer to me so I can put my leg up on it. Yeah. Later on in the show. Mm-hmm. It's going to get real comfortable today, I think. Uh, put your lazy boys back. Yeah, we've... Uh, we're we're still decompressing from our run-in with Johnny Law, which is my drag name also. <laughs> Those handcuffs hurt. What did you learn this week? I learned a decent amount. Um, so stenography or shorthand uh, is a profession and a style of writing that is usually associated with court reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been around pretty much forever. It's been around since like ancient Rome. Um, and there's several different types uh, designed by different people across uh, history to write shorthand in different languages um, and even just in different styles in different languages. Um, it's useful in several different professions and walks of life. But as I found out this week, um, to become a stenographer now, you have to buy a stenography machine, a steno machine. Uh, you have to license software. You have to attend college. And it can get to be a pretty expensive field to try and break into, mm-hmm. which is where the Open Steno Project comes in. Of course. Yes. Uh, we all knew it would end up here. Um, so the Open Steno Project was founded in 2007 by Mirabai Knight as a reaction to that exact gatekeeping. They developed uh, Plover, which is an open source stenography software. And they've also developed alternatives to professional stenography machines that are less expensive for beginners to purchase. Because, like, a professional stenography machine can run, like, thousand in the thousands of dollars. Like, it can be a very, very expensive purchase. Mm-hmm. And if this is a career that you're just starting to get into and you're not really sure, you know, if it's going to be where you end up or if you're even going to be good at it or like it or get a job doing mm-hmm. it once you've learned how to... Um, you know, that can be a big investment and that can really deter people. So having an alternative to that can help more people be interested in mm-hmm. getting into shorthand. So the, the stenographers have their own machines that they have to bring to the court. It's not like the courts each own a machine. That I'm not sure okay. on. Um, this was specifically um, for like education, like for learning right. how to right. You be can't it, learn like how, how to, to do how to write in shorthand having right one. exactly yeah. yeah um no that's essentially i don't know once you're a professional if you have to use i'm sure that there's people who do use their own personal machine mm-hmm. because it's, it's like, something that they're more cu- accustomed like to bowling balls yeah it, it's an inelegant uh example <laughs> everyone an, an elegant it. comparison but yeah yeah no exactly um and like like in with instruments um like with pretty much anything, if you use your own, 
you tend to be a little bit more comfortable with Mm -hmm. it. It tends to be a little bit better. But I'm sure that if you have a job as a stenographer, as a court reporter, um, you know, that's also something that I can't imagine they wouldn't provide that I don't I I don't know Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm sure there's both people do both um they also made the point um that stenography isn't just for courtroom reporters right it can also be useful to other people um the examples they gave that I found really interesting were um it can be useful for nonverbal people uh who are communicating with a text-to-speech engine um it's also more ergonomic uh, than typing with a standard keyboard. So for writers or for people with data entry jobs, for example, like things that involve a lot of typing, mm-hmm. learning shorthand can help make long days of typing easier on you and, you know, multiple years of typing easier on your body. So mm-hmm. along with uh, open source stenography software and inexpensive stenography machines, uh, the Open Steno Project also developed a game called Steno Arcade. Uh, it's free on Steam. If you want to play it, just type in Steno Arcade, S-T-E-N-O. B-R-B. Arcade. Yeah, like, it's it's kind of cute. I did play it a little bit. Um, you don't need a stenography machine to play it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, of course, harder to do with a standard keyboard because that's not really what it's designed for. Mm-hmm. Um, but on, like, the like really easy levels, you can pretty much use a standard keyboard and you know still kind of keep up but it's essentially a rhythm game like guitar hero or rock band (laughs) you're typing along to the lyrics Mm -hmm. as they're being sung Mm -hmm. which was really interesting to me because if you look at like a stenography machine or if you look at like the way that they work it's not dissimilar to playing piano like with a standard keyboard, you hit one key at a time, but with a steno machine, you strike chords, you hit multiple keys at once to write a word in shorthand in a fraction of the time. So mm-hmm. it's not dissimilar to playing an instrument already. And so they're adding in, you know, this element of traditionally with rhythm games, like you're playing a fake instrument, right? but this is an educational tool, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm going to take a drink of... A drink of water beverage. I'm ask a question. Oh, go for it. Do that. Um, is it kind of similar? We talked about a couple of weeks ago with sign language, with like icon families and two separate meaning things when they're put together mean one holistic thing. That is a very good question for someone who knows shorthand. Okay, cool. Um, I unfortunately did not make it that far. Um, Let me see. I had a couple different things up here. My only exposure to stenography is from the Nancy Drew game, The Haunted Carousel. There were, like, you had to um, decode a shorthand message. Um, Oh. So you had to, like, go to this other building and, like, read a book on, like, Mm -hmm. different symbols and what they mean and then go back and and decode it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I did not... I was not aware of that. My, I kept thinking of uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, that too. While I was researching. I was like, these shorthand girls. These shorthand unbelievable. girls. <laughs> you know how it is. Um, am I right, ladies? Am I right? Sound off in the Twitch comments below. In the Twitchter comments. Um, I did not have the time There's to a learn lot shorthand to this it, week. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's the thing that I think is so interesting about the Open Steno Project is that 
you know, this is a thing. And I'm sure that it used to be taught in schools, you know, like I'm sure Mm -hmm. that we would have learned about it in grade school, you know, a couple decades back. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you do have to take that initiative to say, okay, I do want to learn shorthand. I do want to learn this so that I can use it in my professional life. Mm -hmm. And that seems like it's kind of difficult to do. Right. Um, I want to talk about their game a little bit more because yeah. I think it's really Sorry, interesting. Sorry, go for it. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. Um, I was Le drinking shit. water. Oh, yeah, you drinking water. How dare I? Um, well, a water beverage. Yeah, water, water oh, beverage. A water-based, <laughs> a water-based consumable liquid. Um, so, uh, Steno Arcade, I'm not very good at it, uh, is what I learned. Um, so I don't know that much about it. I didn't get very far. Uh, I don't type exceptionally fast. I've known that about myself for my whole life. But it's pretty simple mechanically. Like the lyrics are at the bottom of the screen mm-hmm. and your type appears directly above them. And the only like visual component to it is um, the background is there's a outdoor concert like a very like a pixel art outdoor concert mm-hmm. um with a looping animation there's just a guy on stage playing guitar and it starts off with just a few people in the audience mm-hmm. and as you type the better you do the more people show up to your concert <laughs> and like it's so simple visually like the graphics serve exactly the purpose they're meant to they mm-hmm. reward the player for doing well but they're secondary it's an educational game Um, But I was like, that's so cute. And like, there's just a couple individual sprites, like there's maybe four or five sprites, and they all do the same dance. It gives you an overall score, which I'm not really sure what that that number actually is, where it comes from. Um, But it also scores you on your accuracy and your precision, uh, which are both a percentage, Mm -hmm. and your streak, so the number of words you type correctly in a row, that's, I'm assuming, factored into your score. Mm -hmm. But I mean, as far as like, actually learning how to type faster and probably i assume learning how to type shorthand on a steno machine like it works pretty well you know so i thought that that was an interesting little cool yeah that's what i had um i just thought that that was a cool um you know an interesting look on it you know because it is a matter of accessibility to some degree Mm -hmm. you know in that it can be helpful um and it it can be helpful too, I think, um, in lieu of like a sign language interpreter at events. Like, a, I watched a couple of their videos of their events, and there's always somebody, uh, there's always a stenographer typing. Like, it's basically like live closed captioning. Yeah, I which I, I thought was really that. cool. And and now that I've read that and understood that, like, it's typed kind of phonetically. Like, things make Mm -hmm. more sense when you're watching, like, live TV and they have closed captions on. And you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. my God, these people are horrible at spelling. But it's probably because they're using a steno machine or something similar. Right. But they're typing it phonetically because they're going so fast, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's, um, if you watch, like, like the news with Mm -hmm. closed captions, like, there's always, like, a little bit of a delay. Right, Right, right. So... I think the reason for that is because there is like you do kind of error correct as mm-hmm. you're typing because like as you like if you watch their um, events that they have that they host and the live typing next to that it's a matter of you're hearing and you're correcting and you're mm-hmm. you know readjusting and there's like of course you're going to make mistakes and have to fix them but it's really interesting to me um, I 
I was never a stenographer. I don't know shorthand, but I did uh, for a time work um, at my previous job. I was a transcriptionist. Mm. Um, that was one of my roles that I had there. Mm. It was a press office. So I was transcribing interviews right. um, for them to like pull quotes from and stuff like that, or even, you know, to publish wholesale. Um, but I was like, this is kind of an interesting, like I, it was not something I would have ever thought to do, but also like knowing how that like how hard that right. is to do, yeah. how hard it is to listen and type. And, you know, even with a recorded interview, being able to pause and go back and, mm-hmm. you know, readjust and fix everything. Like it takes it takes a lot longer than an hour to transcribe an hour long interview, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, you know, doing that live and do like not having time to go back and fix mistakes is it's really impressive. Yeah. It's a really intense, like a really wild skill to me <laughs> that's very very I was cool mostly yeah i was mostly interested by the open steno project yeah I I like like, that's that. a really yeah. interesting initiative i like it yeah it's fun you know doing this podcast and coming across i feel like we've come across quite a few like open open research projects open source things mm-hmm. that yeah are just out there to you know prevent gatekeeping on things like that so yeah so my research today mostly mm-hmm. I thought you wanted to go third. Shoot. That's why I wasn't prompting you. So my research this week was mostly Mm -hmm. about stenography-ography. Oh. Uh, Because I was trying to, like, figure out, like, what, you know, what's the science behind stenography? Like, I'm sure there is, like, statistics and stuff. But I started searching, and I found... A couple of really interesting research papers. Mm-hmm. One that was written in 1948, so it's quite old. And yeah. then four that were written between 1968 and 1976, um, which I think is really interesting that mm-hmm. they all happened kind of at the same time. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about a couple of them briefly. So the one that was written in 1948 is titled Research in Shorthand and Transcription. I didn't read the whole thing because it's it was an article for purchase. And if I wanted to read the whole thing, it was only two pages and I could read the first page. But to read mm-hmm. the whole thing, it would have cost forty three dollars. Oh, my God. Which I think is insane for That's an article lot. from 1948. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what I mostly what I gleaned from it is that it was kind of like a literature review of research in shorthand that had happened up until January 1946. Mm-hmm. Um, so the author analyzed 298 reports, which I, I had, you know, we, when I was in school, we were doing research and stuff, like they would consider anything that's, you know, 15 years or older, kind of outdated, I guess, depending on your field. But mm-hmm. I'd never really thought about how research and mostly like publishing of research had existed like prior to 1950 and what that looked like. Um, so this is, it was really interesting to see. Um, so they analyzed 298 reports and classified them into different categories, um, which were reading and writing of shorthand, analysis of shorthand and transcription errors, comparison of shorthand systems, personal use shorthand, mm. prognosis in sh- shorthand, and Guidance, occupational information, and follow-up of shorthand students. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the only two that I could really read were reading and writing of shorthand and analysis of shorthand and transcription errors. So they basically did like a review saying, you know, what does the literature say on reading and writing of shorthand? Right. Yeah. So the kind of the bottom line that I got out of this was that there wasn't a lot of research into the reading and writing of shorthand that existed before 1946. Because um, there's only seven articles, seven reports of it within the mm. literature of 298. Mm. Um, the second one that I was able to read was the analysis of shorthand and transcription errors, which made up 9% of the literature or 27 studies. Okay. And the number of transcript that each of these studies had analyzed ranged from 20 transcripts to 20,000 transcripts. Wow. Which is huge. Um, yeah. Especially that's... considering the technology that must have taken a lot of manpower to be able to, to read and analyze and understand what mistakes people were making right. in their transcripts. Yeah. And there was general agreement amongst the research that the errors in transcription occurred in the this following like very specific order mm-hmm. so first it was errors in punctuation and then errors in typing and then errors in grammar and then errors in spelling errors in capitalization the substitution of words the omission of mm-hmm. words mm-hmm. errors in the arrangement of letters and mechanical details and errors in syllabication. So, something that I'm interested in, yes. um, based on that, is where these, how, like, I mean, I'm sure that this is a question that you don't have the answer to, unfortunately. Yes. Um, but that's been the theme of the episode, I think. <laughs> um, so, 1946. Yep. We do have like audio recording technology mm-hmm. but were these mm. were these uh transcripts were these shorthand pieces that are being analyzed were they written for this study did they have people come in and write shorthand for this study or were they pulling from already extant uh that i'm not sure about because um, so this particular article that I was reading was kind of like concatenating all of the research that was around it. Mm-hmm. So like, um, so there are 27 studies in this batch of research, right? Um, yeah. They didn't really say which it was. It didn't mm-hmm. say like, these are the procedures that they followed. It was just right. kind of an analysis of the findings. Right. Um, so it could, it could vary amongst the 27 studies. I'm not sure. Right. Um, because to be able to confirm something, and even if it was that yeah. they were, um, you know, that there was a written, you know, like a written piece that somebody was reading um, and, you know, the people who were taking the shorthand were going off of that and they could compare with the right. initial piece of writing, to, you know, they could compare that to the shorthand mm-hmm. that came out of that, out of that reading you know, otherwise, how are you going to say, oh, that this has an omitted word? Right. You know, there's... this this is incorrect. Like, there's, I can't. Right. So things like punctuation, typing, grammar, spelling. Well, maybe not grammar necessarily, but punctuation, right. spelling, capitalization. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, that's in the writing. That's in the yeah. writing. Um, that's kind of a, a technical facet of the writing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, things like omitting words, substituting words, um, mm-hmm. the grammar structures. Right. That, if yeah, if you don't know what the person said at the time of the transcription, then you have no way of knowing whether it's verbatim or it's a, an error on the part of the transcriber. Yeah. So that I'm not sure. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, that's just, that's the first thing that I think of when I'm like, you know, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Like, how are you say? how yeah. are you looking at this and saying, oh, this is, there's an, there's a word omitted here. Right. You know, because as, as somebody who's transcribed before, like the way that people speak is not the way that people write. Right. So, you know, if you're transcribing uh, directly, like if you're transcribing every, you know, nuance in a person's speaking, it, especially for court reporting, you right. have to. Right. And I guess that kind of ties back to our episode on linguistics with forensic linguists. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you have a courtroom stenographer, you want them to capture the way that people are talking, yes, not just yeah. what they're saying. Yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah. So I couldn't read the rest of the article, so I didn't know what percentages the other facets made up. Um, but I just thought yeah. it was interesting that there's research to this prior to 1950. It was cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, if you would like Lauren to be able to read the rest of that uh, article, please tell your friends about the show. Please. Uh, because that's that's the only way that we're going to start bringing in m- money off doing this. Also, if you tell your friends about the show and we start bringing in money, then I can buy a stock photo library. Yes, and we won't get in trouble anymore. Uh, so then Continue. the other four articles that I had uh, were really interesting. They were... Very long. Some One of them was 168 pages, but I did not read it. That's fair. Um, I only really read one in its entirety, um, but all of them centered around the attitudes towards shorthand and not, mm. I guess, like a technical study on shorthand. Yeah. So the one article I did actually read mm. was from 1976, and it was titled, a study to determine why Forkner shorthand students do or do not enroll in intermediate or advanced levels of shorthand at Utah State University. Huh. Um, so basically, it's just trying to determine, you know, why do students continue on with their shorthand education after be- the beginner class or why mm-hmm. they don't. Um, yeah. Specifically at Utah State. Right. Yeah. Um, so Forkner shorthand is a scientific combination of longhand letters and a few symbols to form its system. It's more mm-hmm. alphabet-based than symbol-based, like yeah, like the Greg style, the Greg system. Mm-hmm. Um, so Utah State at the time had a smaller percentage of students that were enrolled in the Forkner advanced classes than in the Greg style advanced okay. classes. Um, so... I guess the students noted that and wanted to do their research to figure out why. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, one interesting note that I read in the article was that a successful completion of a quarter of the beginner class requires the students to be able to take dictation at a minimum of 50 words per minute for two minutes with fewer than five mistakes. 
Okay. And that would be like an average grade for a beginner student. Okay. I mean, that's not too bad. Like, that's not very fast. Right. Compared to, like, well, not even just shorthand now, but like how fast people are expected to type. Right. You know, you could probably. So for it to be shorthand. Maybe close to longhand, right? 50. Right. Yeah. words per minute. Yeah. Um, especially in something like cursive, I think you could, if you're good at cursive, you could probably cursive write more right. than 50 words per minute. Yeah. Um, and in the, okay. in the 70s, this was all, um, handwritten, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or were they, they weren't using machines nope. at this point? No, nope. it was all okay. handwritten. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Um, so participants for the study were students who were enrolled in the beginning, intermediate and advanced level classes, mm-hmm. um, during, the 1974 to 1975 and the 1975 to 1976 school years. Mm-hmm. Um, so the population of those years consisted of 64 students, which is pretty wow. low. Yeah, um, gonna, that's not a lot. Considering it was, I don't know, a whole separate program. Right, um, For yeah. a state school of that size. Yeah. Um, so basically they went about it by getting class lists to get the names of the students who had mm-hmm. taken the classes. And then it said, once the names were noted, addresses were then found. Because you can't just Facebook message them and be like, hey, right. you can take this class. Yeah. Um, or send them a survey monkey, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they- you could send them a survey monkey. <laughs> <laughs> could hire a monkey. They didn't have the funding for that. Hmm. Um, so then they made a questionnaire and either physically handed it to the person or mail it to their house if they weren't around, just basically asking them why did you or why didn't you continue on with your education. I mean, it was a little bit more specific than that, but... Right, yeah. Um, the interesting thing I thought about it was that if you were to do a similar study today, you would need mm-hmm. kind of an internal review board approval from your university to be able to reform okay. a study on people or with participants, mm-hmm. there's some, you know, a little bit more red tape that goes into doing studies that involve people, right. which makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah. And you usually have to do, like, a cover letter on the front that says, like, your um, your identity will be anonymous or, you know, kind of outlining the details and the intention of the study, um, mm-hmm. whereas this study just literally just cold mailed a whole bunch you know a a questionnaire to people and expected to get them back yeah Um, so the limitations that i noted were that there's only two class years but i think they said that 1974 was the first class year uh or the first year that the forkner shorthand classes were offered Mm -hmm. um so they couldn't help that they had the maximum number of students that they could um, right, yeah. And another limitation was that you had to get the questionnaire back from people. Mm-hmm. They did perform a pilot right. study on 10 students, mm-hmm. I think unrelated to their actual study, 10 students, to see if the questionnaire was asking the right questions and made sense mm. to the, the students. That's good. Um, yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, something that I hadn't thought of. And they noted that no changes were needed. So they're like, good job. We crushed it. There First try. Mm. Um, 
So in the end, they got 40 per, 48 responses back, which okay. is a 70, Out of 60 64? 64. Okay. Uh, yeah, which is more than half. 75% return rate. Yeah. Um, nice. Two of the 48 reported that they had not taken the courses, and oh. one had reported that they were never enrolled in the Forkner School. So oh. they did not use those three responses in their analysis, so it just it brought it down to 45 Legitimate right. responses. Yeah. Huh. Um, so the results were really interesting, actually. Yeah. So for both the gap between transitioning from the beginner class to the intermediate class and from the intermediate class to the advanced class, by far the, the biggest reason for not continuing was because the student had left the school. Mm. So... Huh. It was 44.4% and 46.1% of mm-hmm. the respondents, res- like, respectively, for beginner to intermediate and intermediate to advanced. Okay. Um, the next highest for the gap between beginner to intermediate was that there were no specialized classes for Forkner shorthand. I guess okay. maybe industry-specific classes right. that people could see themselves using it. Right. And that was at 22.2%. Okay. And then from intermediate to advanced, that gap, the second highest was lack of confidence in ability to continue the course. Hmm. And that was only hmm. 11.5%. So I was just kind of surprised that so many students had left the school. Yeah. Um. But I... I don't know. I was trying to think about it in the context of um, shorthand was probably primarily learned by women. And I Mm -hmm. feel like at the time, women would go to school until they found a husband. Right. And then they would leave school or they would leave school for other reasons. You know, they weren't necessarily as career focused or taught to be career focused. Um, Yeah. So that kind of made sense to me in, in, in that respect. But... Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. Um, no, that okay. that makes sense. Um, I think, too, the thing about it is that, like, like the point of they didn't have as any specialized classes for that particular style. Like, mm-hmm. the things that both of us went to school for are very um, sort of individually driven in terms of career after you graduate from school. Right. But with stenography, like, it's very much a skill that you're learning to use predominantly in your career, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Like, you're learning it, you're Almost learning like shorthand to get a job. Yeah, yeah, no, it is a trade, definitely. Um, so you're learning that specifically to go and work as a stenographer, right? you know? So it makes a lot of sense that that would be something that they would need and something that they would say, well, this method doesn't have, you know, they're not teaching mm-hmm. this method as intensively as they're teaching this other method and I'm going to be a more competitive you know employee right. I'm going to be more competitive on the job market if I know a little bit more about the one specific thing that I'm learning you know mm-hmm. I think um to that leaving school refers to leaving Utah state not just leaving the shorthand school oh um, interesting which is interesting yeah, yeah. um but to your point, uh, for students that continued on in 
you know, the shorthand track. Yeah. Um, 85.1 of, 85.1% of them reported that they enrolled continually throughout the track because of the job future and their job future prospects. Yeah. Um, across the board. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then under, like, the actions, I guess, that they wanted to come out of the study is that they mentioned that professors were not prepared to teach this type of shorthand and that the advisors, the academic advisors, didn't have a clear path to guide students through to kind of push them into saying, here's where you can go with this, Um, which which makes also makes sense because if it's the first two years of the program right you're not necessarily gonna have professors that are 100 percent prepared to teach as prepared to teach as well tenured professors but right yeah i thought that was interesting do you think that you'll learn shorthand after the research that you've done into it probably not are you compelled to i don't do a whole lot of very quick writing and if I do, mm-hmm. it's probably typing on my computer. Yeah. Um, like if I'm in a meeting or something and I need to take minutes, I'll have my computer with me. Right. To take notes on. Well, I'm all out of unsweetened water beverage, so I think that means it's time for us to wrap this up. Because my mouth is just going to be getting noisier and noisier from right. here on out. Cool. Mm-hmm. How we? How? Uh, what do we? What do we do? I don't Good know. Good God. I know it's it's so much it's so much work every week. What's been your favorite just... episode we've done so far? Oh, that's a good question. Um, let me look at them. Okay. Let me hold them in my hands like little Cuddle baby birds. Cuddle them, give them love, feed them mm-hmm. from your mouth. Yep. I feel like Paranormal Activity was a good one. That was a good one. That was yeah. Uh, I think about the second it. Second one. Yeah, it's all been downhill from there. Whoop. We didn't get a cease and desist on that one. We didn't. I liked. I liked airline yeah. safety. That one was cool. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't ask you. That was so rude. I, I liked the one it? where I talked and you didn't. Which was that one? All of them. Sorry, oh. I have my own podcast. Oh, it's just called Meat. Mm. Mm-hmm. Actually, J.K. It's just called Cute. Yeah, it's gonna I'm say you're, that's really operation. the one you're gonna take. <laughs> It's really the option you want to go with of the two available. Whoops. So thank you to She's a Spy for our theme song. I should come up with a standardized way of saying yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. Let me start this. Like, so that's going to do it for us today here at Meet Cute Industries. Mm-hmm. We love you all. Thank you for your support in these judiciously hard times for us. Yeah, we we can't say too much. We're uh we're under oath. Yeah. Um the court is listening to this pod very podcast at this very mm-hmm. moment. Mhm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have any witnesses you'd like to call to the stand? I would like to call she's a spy <laughs> to the stand uh and I would like to say thank you uh from the bottom of my heart for uh letting us use their music. Exhibit A. Your Honor, you can find us online at meetcutest.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at meetcutest. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and if you enjoyed the time that you spent prosecuting us today, uh, <laughs> you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. We're, we're both of those places. Uh, you can please listen to our show. Please tell your friends about the yeah, show if you like it. Tell your mom. Um, this is yeah, a mom, tell this your mom, is a mom about mom the show. show. This is a very mom-friendly show. Leave a review for the show on iTunes. Uh, that was your homework for last week. I think my so dad reviewed running... this, maybe. Oh, nice. Um, he has an iPhone. Oh, wow. Yeah. You should have led with that. Probably would have got more listeners if they knew up front that your dad had an iPhone. My dad has an iPhone. Mm-hmm. So, listen to us. Yep. Your Honor. And leave a review. <laughs> your Honor, my dad has an iPhone. <laughs> Objection. Uh, we're gonna be held in contempt of the court we'll be righteous back next week if we haven't been for, arrested for our live episode from jail let's end this let's end end my suffering <laughs>